Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. I'm John Patrick Higgins. And these are my strange stories. Why not relax, kick off your shoes, and enjoy the peculiar worlds inside my head? Inside John Patrick Higgins. Temp. Paul rubbed the toe of his shoe on the back of his trouser leg as he pressed the button. A stolid security guard, yellow-eyed and wheezing, waddled over to the door. The man's tight, white, short-sleeved shirt pinched him so hard beneath the armpits that his hands were blue. The guard swiped a card, a red light winked, and Paul pushed into the forecourt of Pythia Communications. Paul was uncomfortably neat in his new shoes and stiff tie as he clip-clopped across the lobby. Behind the reception desk, a large woman in a headset ignored him. Her skin was flushed with the effort of talking, and her conversation rippled through the marbled suet of her neck as she chatted amiably on the phone. Paul waited, elbows splayed on the desktop his legs shaking in anticipation. He did not want to be late for his first day on the job. The receptionist caught his eye and tapped a purple nail on a large ledger in front of him. He looked at the other signatures. Dave Prosser, Pythia Communications, 848. Shireen Wenders, Pythia Communications, 851. Each name was followed by a signature and an odd little character, a gaunt and toothy smiley face, inked in behind it. The receptionist tapped on the book again, the impact shuddering up her arm and causing her bangles to shiver. Paul signed the register and carefully traced the smiley face character after his name. The receptionist pressed a button and Paul was through a turnstile and into the lift. It was 8.58. Hello, Paul is it? You should have a badge. Reception should have issued you with a badge. Sorry, said Paul. She was on the phone. 
You are specifically required to have a badge, otherwise you can't get in or out. She's made you a bit of a prisoner here. The slim young woman laughed at this, an abrupt laugh that Paul didn't share. She took him to a bank of desks, six cubicles divided like an egg box with an egg missing. Paul was the missing egg. He sat down. Did the agency say anything to you about the work at all? Not really. Well, don't worry, it's nothing too taxing. You're all temps on this desk, so matey boy next to you will get you up to speed, won't you? She scanned the boy's desk and found a name badge. Won't you, Owen? The boy was pale and pinched, with a large red nose and acne trailing from the corner of his mouth. He nodded weakly. His large, glassy eyes were full of the glare of his computer screen. Excellent, said the slim young woman. Well, that's it. Any questions, don't be afraid to ask me. That's if you can find me. She gave her quick laugh again and walked over to the coffee machine. Paul turned to his new teacher. The boy's nose was perched on the cubicle's partition wall. All right, mate, I'm Paul. What are we doing then? The agency didn't even tell me what Pythia Communications do. Is it data entry, yeah? Owen said nothing. He continued to stare over the wall. Paul's too tight tie squeezed like a garrote. He wedged a finger into his collar to loosen it. Which agency did you come through? He continued. I'm with Office Head. We're all with Office Head, said Owen. After a couple of seconds, Paul realised that this was going to be Owen's only contribution to the conversation and decided on a new tack. This is my first job, just for the summer. I'm off to uni in September. Owen giggled at this. So what do we do? said Paul, becoming annoyed. The girl said you'd tell me what to do. We don't do nothing, said Owen. What do you mean? We turn our computers on and we put our headsets on. But we don't do nothing. The company pays you to do nothing. I don't do nothing, and I ain't done nothing since I come here. Owen pulled his nose back over the partition and stared into his monitor. Paul sat agitated in his tie. He had a healthy terror of authority, and he didn't want to be told off by the slim girl should she return. He stood up and addressed the rest of the temps, three girls and a boy. Excuse me, he said. Do any of you know what we're supposed to be doing? Owen here doesn't seem to have a clue. They ignored him, staring into their screens. I'm the last, said Owen flatly. They won't answer you. Paul felt a wave of dry heat prickle over him. He looked around the office. Gangs of people trailed up and down the corridors, looking for meeting rooms, clutching lattes and talking about their weekends. Hairy IT guys wandered around, tumbleweed in T-shirts, pointing to banks of computers and mumbling into their mobiles. This was the office life he was expecting, the office life that was going to look good on his CV, the office life that was going to provide him with valuable transferable skills. When he looked around at the temps, there seemed to be a change in the quality of the light. A pall was cast over this corner of the office, the silence... The lifelessness, the dull hum of their computer fans was unbroken by the chattering of fingers on keys. They really were doing nothing.
there was a tap on his shoulder. It was a slim woman, grinning on full beam. Behind her, at some distance, was the receptionist. She was Christmas tree-shaped away from the desk and was clutching the ledger that he had signed. Behind her stood a tall, long-haired man who had foregone standard business attire. He, too, was smiling brightly. Paul, what are you doing here? You're in the wrong seat. What do you like? Come and meet Steve. He's going to be your daddy. She lifted Paul by the shoulders and escorted him over to a sunnier part of the room. As he walked, he looked back at the temps. Owen's nose dripped over the partition like melting wax. His empty eyes shone as he watched Paul being escorted away. They expressed nothing. The next couple of weeks were a corporate dream for Paul. He attended meetings, made notes, made coffee, ran errands and began to gather responsibilities like burrs on fur. Métis silver-haired men asked him his name in an I'm-noting-this-for-future-reference sort of way and Paul went home smiling each evening and each weekend with money in his pocket. Even his shoes relaxed, tamed and hollowed by his industry, the blisters on his feet shrinking to circles of blanched skin like the imprint of a condom on wallet leather. Life was good, and the notion of university seemed increasingly abstract and unlikely. Why should he go to school to study business when this was the real deal? He was learning the mechanics of industry and earning money while he was doing it. He was confident that he would be asked to stay on after the summer with a proper contract and a proper job description, and then he could start earning some proper money. Paul found out what Pythia Communications actually did. They ran, managed and published opinion polls, and were widely regarded as the most accurate pollsters in the business. The company had an uncanny grasp on the zeitgeist, a bone-deep understanding of the popular unconscious. Time and again they chimed with the undertow of public opinion, though Paul was at a loss to work out how they did it. The Pythia Communications ecosystem was a self-contained exercise in perpetual motion. Paper shifted from desk to desk, emails pinged between inboxes and jolly people in well-cut suits strode up and down the corridors on an eternal quest for free meeting rooms. But Paul couldn't see where the company's statistics were coming from. The sales team brought in sales, marketing schmooze big-name clients, and the chummy silver-haired men in their glass-box offices did whatever it was that company directors did. But Paul never saw anybody collating any information at all. It was perplexing. Perhaps it was outsourced to India. Anyway, it didn't matter. All that mattered was that he had the bit of business between his teeth and he was not about to let it go. It was just... One thing still bothered him. That bank of desks where the temps sat. They were still there. Fish-eyed and mouth-breathing. But Paul wasn't absolutely sure they were the same ones he had seen before. Owen was still there, his bird-like profile just visible over the blue partition wall. He seemed changed, pale, ghostly, eroded. The temps didn't even look up and their phones never rang. They sat there, hunched-shouldered and staring into space. Paul wondered why he was different, 
why he had been plucked for stardom. But these questions never bothered him for long. He was not a man given to idle speculation, except, potentially, on the stock exchange. Summer wore on happily, and Friday night saw Paul drinking with work buddies at the Crown and Greyhound. He thrilled to the rough bonhomie of his new workmates, hearty types with ties askew, their cheeks rosy and their hair plastered to their foreheads. They drank bottled beer under a fug of Hugo Boss and called themselves the Laughing Boys. They drank till their eyes swam and the corners of their mouths were flecked with foam, so full of beer they were spilling over. At the end of an evening they sat, cheeks sticking to tabletops, untucked shirts hanging limply from their waistbands like pale, wrinkled cocks. And Paul was one of them. The youngest, the drunkest, and until morning, the happiest. It was on one of these perfect Friday nights that Paul broached the subject of the Thames with Steve, his line manager. Steve was a great bloke, a giant red-faced party guy. His eyes were like cloves in the gammon of his face, and he had been shouting well-meaning insults at people for... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hours. No one minded because that was just Steve. And if they did mind, then fuck them. Get a sense of humour. Paul felt himself lucky to have such a man, not just as a boss, but as a mate. So what's the story with the oddballs, he said. Steve wobbled his giant head round the room, his eyes struggling to keep up with it. Where? No, you muppet, said Paul. Them lot at work, the temps. Why don't they ever come out? There was a sudden change in Steve's demeanour. His face, flushed from drink, seemed to suddenly drain of colour. The flesh around his eyes a green-grey. The sweat on his skin became a paste. What? he said. The weirdos and the headsets. Over by Karen's office. What do you mean? said Steve. 
Other members of staff were also looking at Paul. The first pinpricks of unease started to penetrate his sense of well-being. He looked anxiously from face to face around the table. The temps. I mean, what's that all about? These last words fell out of his mouth, his tongue curling like a dried leaf. Who did your orientation? said Steve. My what? When you joined the company, after you signed the contract, who did your orientation? I don't know, said Paul, desperation edging in his voice. I don't think I signed a contract here. I did it with the agency. Steve grabbed Paul by the arm and tugged his shirt sleeve back from the wrist. As soon as it was exposed, the arm was dropped to the table. A shiver ran through the crowd. What was that? A Chinese burn? Listen, have I said something, mate? Because... I'd better be going, said Steve, grabbing his jacket from the back of the chair. There was the sound of chairs scraping and pint pots slammed against tabletops, and Paul was left alone with the music of Billy Ocean and a twitchy barman calling time. On Monday morning, Paul was called into an emergency HR meeting. Steve and Paul took the lift down to the basement. Paul had no idea what to expect. His stomach lurched and his throat tightened. What had he said? He'd been expecting something to happen following Friday night's strangeness, but an HR meeting. Was it disciplinary? Could he actually be fired? Steve, he said. Don't worry about it, mate, said Steve too quickly. It's just something about your contract, something they missed when you joined. It'll only take five minutes. Right, said Paul. And it's got nothing to do with Friday, in the pub. Don't know what you're talking about, mate. I was arsehole. The doors pinged open and Paul was escorted to meeting room B. It was a large, blandly functional room containing a table, four chairs and an unlabeled filing cabinet with a dusty aspidistra squatting on it. There was no natural light. At the table was a woman whom Paul had never seen before. She was small and thin with close-cropped red hair. Her nostrils were arched and scribbled with crimson veins, as were her hairless eyelids. She stared at Paul and Steve with liquid blue eyes. No pupil. Hi, Paul, she said, squeezing the corners of her mouth into what was not exactly a smile. First of all, I don't want you to worry. This is a formal meeting, but not a disciplinary one, OK? We just want to get to know you a little bit better, OK? My name, for instance, is Jacqueline. Paul said Paul. Yes, well, I do know that much at least, she said, though not much more. This is, in effect, the orientation session you should have had when you first joined us. Obviously some sort of oversight there, so I apologise for that. Paul began to relax. It was just an HR meeting. All weekend, anxiety had lain in the pit of his stomach. Sunday night's sleep, when it came, was fitful and dread squatted on his chest, binding him like swaddling. Even now in this grey subterranean room, his skin felt taut and his eyes itchy, his bones hollow as a bird's. How long have you been with us, Paul? 
said Jacqueline, breaking eye contact for the first time to look at her notes. Paul noticed the receptionist's ledger on the table in front of her. About three weeks, he said. You started on the 7th of July, she said. Look, I can show you, here. She spun the ledger round, a colourless nail indicating his signature. Paul shrugged. OK. Do you notice anything about your signature, Paul? Anything unusual? Paul stared at his handwriting, the familiar loops and dots. Possibly a little more erratic than usual, but he had been nervous. Had they consulted a graphologist? Jacqueline's finger, pressing hard on the coarse paper, shifted to the left, stopping at the little doodle he had copied from the signatures above. It resembled, he saw now, a rudimentary skull. Light bulb shaped, with thick, flat teeth beneath the black cavities of the nose and eyes. What's this supposed to be, Paul? she said, her fluid eyes trained upon him again. Was this the problem? A doodle in the margins of the signing-in book. Everyone else did one, he said. I don't know. I just thought it was something you did. Just something you did, repeated Jacqueline. She spanned the book away from him, slamming it shut. Paul felt Steve's hand drop onto the shoulder, as heavy as stone. He turned, but Steve stared fixedly ahead. He was looking at the HR consultant who was unfastening her cuff and rolling her sleeve up. She showed Paul her forearm, palm side up and white as a fish's belly. Fat blue veins streaked through the pale flesh and, just above the wrist, was a delicate rust-red tattoo of a bulbous skull identical to the one Paul had scribbled into the ledger. I don't get it, said Paul. He tried to get up, but Steve's hand kept him in his seat. What's going on, he said. Pythia Communications is a very old company, Paul. In a sense, there has always been a Pythia Communications, for ours is truly the oldest profession. Wherever there is money or power, a paranoid king or a wealthy despot, we're there too. We are advisers, insinuators, counsellors. We've been predicting the future for countless millennia, Paul, but today's market demands something more. Today it's more effective to predict the present. The future is too far off, too abstract. By the time you get there, everything's changed. It's a wasted resource, Paul. No one is buying the future now. You can't give it away. So we've changed tack. We've transferred our skills. We tell our customers the present. It makes sound commercial sense. The future only happens once, but the present happens again and again. She paused and Paul made a sudden break for it, pushing his chair back and catching Steve in the stomach. Steve bent double and Paul lurched for the door, but the big man's hand never left his shoulder, and his other arm grabbed Paul by the neck, his heavy thumb pressing under the parabola of the boy's skull, pushing his forehead forward onto the desk. Paul lashed out with his left arm, his elbow aimed at Steve's groin, but he was caught by the wrist and his arm pressed flat onto the desk, his skin yellow as goose fat under the pressure. Paul noticed the mark on Steve's arm, identical to Jacqueline's. He noticed that it was not a tattoo at all. It had been burnt into the skin.
I don't understand, said Paul, his cheek pushed flat against the desk, his voice a muffled squeak. A darkening teepee of urine worked its way down his thigh, developing like a photograph against the grey cloth of his slacks. Of course you don't understand, said Jacqueline, her voice lifting. How could you? You were destined not to understand. You were processed through our agency as perfect modern material. Greedy, arrogant, aspirational and unimaginative. Your role models are defined by what they wear, by what they drive and by whom they fuck. For you, success is saturation, the perfume, the ghost-written novel, the stilted cameo, the reality TV series and tie-in sponsored wedding. You snuff it up like piggies and we pick it out of your heads. The temps, said Paul. The temps, Paul. Well done. We've come a long way in divination from chicken guts and thrown bones, though we haven't really strayed too far from human sacrifice. Steve pulled Paul back into his chair, his arms circling his neck, but the fight had left Paul with his piss, and he sat back, his eyes half-closed, white foam bubbling on his lips. Our methods have changed, said Jacqueline, enjoying herself. But the effect is much the same. We strip you of every impulse, every desire, anything that excites your lizardy little brains. It gives us a perfect photograph of a moment, a cultural snapshot, if you like. Of course, it sears the brain like flash-fried steak, and the subjects become unusable after a couple of weeks. The attrition rates are actually quite high. But that's business. The mediocre go to the wall. There was a brief silence in the meeting room. Jacqueline rose from her chair and perched on the edge of the table in front of Paul. She tilted her head and her forehead wrinkled into a soft frown. I'm really sorry about all this, Paul. I know it wasn't exactly how you wanted things to work out. And I suspect you're starting to take quite a dim view of Pythia Communications. I wish I had better news. It's not all bad, Paul. We may be an old company, but we are progressive. We do recycle, for instance. Recycle, said Paul, lost. Jacqueline smiled. We have rather a lot of used-up bodies, you see. But if you haven't the stomach for it, I wouldn't go to the canteen any time soon. Actually, Paul, I'm being slightly disingenuous. You're going there, right now. Inside John Patrick Higgins was brought to you by the colour blue and the letter G. Written and performed by John Patrick Higgins, it was produced and edited by Graham Watson. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.